Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Getting Hammered. I'm your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here with my friend Vic Mattis, and it is a we're in our post Thanksgiving regroup phase. How, how's it going? How's your re-entry, Vic? <laughs> oh, hello, Mary Catherine. Uh, I'm hanging in there. Everything is fine. That's all I'm going to say is everything is fine. <laughs> what I would like to know is how is your Thanksgiving, shall we say, your Thanksgiving sojourn? Oh my goodness. I don't know that it was that sojourney. Oh, it was a sojourney. Yes, it was. And you made it and you're back. I did. I, I went on a, on an odyssey all the way down to Georgia and it was a lot. It was a lot. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm very brave when I, it was just you and your children. No, actually I took my au pair, Danny. Uh, who is a beloved member of the family and also loves football. And she had never been to an American football game before. So I took her with me. Now, had she not been able to come or declined to come, I still would have done it. And that would have been stupid. (laughs) Because no, three three kids, kids. three kids, one of whom is a newborn on a 12 ish hour road trip into a football game. Thank Thank goodness for Danny. Yes. So she, she saved me from myself and my ambitions, but nonetheless, on the Friday, uh, before Thanksgiving week, I picked up the kids from school, drove to my parents' house in North Carolina, rested there for like an hour, and then got back in the car to go all the way to Gaffney, South Carolina and pull into a, not a sketchy one. It was a, it's a decent little motel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's a super eight style you you uh, you uh, overnighted yes so we stayed in <laughs> south carolina so that we could get up in the morning and make it for the tailgate for a noon game oh boy that was and you did we did uh, my so impressive we didn't really sleep the poor children didn't really sleep but god bless them they went to the football game we made it for about a half i wasn't going to make them do the whole game <laughs> they saw the marching band they got the mystique they saw their postpartum mother almost cry because it was so beautiful inside the stadium <laughs> to be yes no with everybody and all the other fans oh my gosh so emotional and uh and yes so we watched the, the bulldogs score a lot of touchdowns because it was not a very tough game it was against and whom? it was against charleston southern oh yeah okay yeah. that's a good one to have yeah well uh, i you don't want to leave at halftime of a, a great game yes uh and i knew i was going to take the kids and we probably weren't going to last right so. this wasn't this wasn't auburn or Ole yeah. Miss or something. Right. Like no, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't waste the tickets on them for no. that. <laughs> were, were you, were you nosebleeds or were you uh midsection? No, we, or had, were we? we had some decent seats oh, good. on the, um, on the alumni side. And then we kind of explored, uh, you know, cause kids get antsy. So we walked around the stadium, yes. got some boiled peanuts, sat in the upper deck for a while, looked Ooh. for, looked for Uga, did not meet him. Oh, that's, that's what they call. That's Uga. the dog. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> yes. What did they make of, of the experience? The, the older girls? I, they were a little overwhelmed, maybe probably, be, probably due to the lack of sleep as well. Oh, sure. <laughs> like I yeah. sort of, I sort of wore them out, but they enjoyed it. And I, I think they liked the pageantry of it. Oh, that's um, wonderful. And then afterwards we, we just sort of explored town and I took them to a little barbecue joint where it was very, oh. it was idyllic. It was fall in Georgia, nice temperature. There was a, they had a patio with a fire lit and the, oh. the game was on the big screen and we got beers and barbecue and sat around and Danny and I were just like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I think it's, I'm long overdue for barbecue. It was a I good time. That. Wonderful. Let, let me tell you though, on the, on the, I should have gotten a round of applause 
at said barbecue joint, um, had it not been full of drunk, self-absorbed college students, I would have. <laughs> Nobody witnessed my heroism. Which was? But what happened was I took one of, one of my daughters needed to go to the bathroom. So I walk her over uh, to the bathroom inside the building. And on our way back out, my six-year-old is playing on a plastic chair with her facing backwards. You know how they do. Yes. The most dangerous thing oh, to oh, do no. with a plastic oh, chair. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. And she's on a brick courtyard patio thing uh, in a plastic chair. So this is going to go badly. Well, I happen to a be brick walking. patio. Yes. So I happen to be walking across the patio to, back towards our table. And I see what's happening. And she's going to go down flat on her face in this plastic chair. And I notice it. And I say to Danny, like calling the ball, like any good athlete would, I say, I got it. I got it. And I took two large steps, put my arm out and her face fell right into my palm. And I pushed her back up in the chair. You are really, you are like super mom. And I was like, is no one going to cheer for this? But they were all flirting and enjoying themselves and had no time for me. A miracle in their midst. And your child, did, did she appreciate that you, you saved her from disaster? Yes, she actually did. Oh, she was good. like, whoa, whoa. Oh, and, uh, and, I, and I asked her if I had scratched her or anything because I, you know, oh, I did yeah, grab her by the face. No, no, no. But uh, she survived. It's better, it's better than falling on brick. Yeah, something similar happened to me, but that was after four Manhattans. Well, uh, but I was, I think, no, I was just kidding. Kate, Kate caught you. Yeah, she caught me. Why? What's happening? You know, luckily and, uh, his head is big. So it's that's an right. the distance, though, the distance is, is it's a little bit more disconcerting, you know? No, it was. Uh, I'm I'm glad that that happened. It would have changed the trajectory of the trip had she taken that fall. Um, oh. However, I will say between my youngest, the newborn sleeping through the game and her taking that fall, it, it was very reminiscent of my college days at a, uh, on game day. Yeah. You know, a lot of stuff can go wrong. Yes, a lot of stuff can go wrong. No, you're not careful. Oh, for goodness sakes. That's that. But that's that's wonderful to hear. You you reminded me of barbecue. When I go on uh, a run, I go up this highway uh, near me on uh, Lee Highway, and there's a barbecue joint at the top of the hill. And when the wind is blowing, you can smell that barbecue. And that gets me sort of like wanting to run in that direction. I keep thinking it's way overdue for barbecue. And in fact, I was smelling that on Thursday because I did finally, since we discussed it on the last show, I did my own turkey trot. You did an independent turkey trot? Yeah. Is, 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 that, is it still called wow. that if you do it on your own? I, sort of a unilateral? I, I will allow it. Oh, thank we'll you. There was no cause except for me. The cause was yeah. me. Um, <laughs> you ran a lot though. It was more I than did. a trot. I, I Well, it was a jog. It was not a run. It was definitely not a sprint. And so I thought, you know what? It's a beautiful day. Normally, I have to drive over 200 miles to get to Thanksgiving on the Jersey Shore. And instead, I, you know, it was only 1.3 miles to uh, my wife's cousin's place. So that wasn't until 2.30. So it was mid-morning. I said, you know, I'm going to go for I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. And I'm just going to go until I think, you know what? I've had enough. And that turned out to be 7.7 miles. So I guess I could have done a little more to make it eight miles. But that was enough for me. And yeah, nobody's nobody's mad at 7.7. No, I, I, I was sore the rest of the day, but it was a good sore. And I thought now I can reward myself. The only thing is at the Thanksgiving feast, which was, I mean, it was a cornucopia. I overindulged in the appetizers because they brought out 
A rookie mistake, Vic. A rookie mistake. A rookie mistake. I know. I couldn't control myself. It was scallops wrapped in bacon and also figs and goat cheese wrapped in bacon. People like that one. It's too sweet. I prefer the scallops. And I basically had all the scallops because, you know, you can't hold. They're not going to hold. If you have them out, you don't want and you don't want to waste scallops. You definitely don't want to waste them. No. And I was so there's surprised. not another Vic in the building who's going to no, need them three no, hours later to do that. Three. I, that would just be me. Yes. Uh, and I was what I was so impressed by was they got it just right. My wife's cousin, Kevin, and his wife, Marina, the, the scallops were cooked and the bacon was nice and crispy because sometimes you'll See, have that's that what soft. I need in my life. It's so you don't want the soft like the weak bacon, which is basically like lardo or something. And then, oh. and you don't want undercooked scallops or overcooked. It was so perfect and salty. I had, I don't know, nine or 10. And I don't, the question is how many scallops are enough? Because you go to a restaurant, you ever order scallops at a restaurant? What do they get? Three? They give you like three. Yeah. Three. <laughs> now, these are smaller. Scallops. Okay. So these are not diver scallops, but still, I don't know anybody who's ever said, please, I've had too many scallops. Nobody's ever said that in history. So I pushed the limit. And then by the time the main course came around, I was pretty much done. Oh my gosh. There's a famous, actually, when you say nobody complained about too many scallops, there's a famous early season of Top Chef. Uh-huh. Uh, featuring an Italian chef, and uh-huh. he was making fun of another chef who used scallops in all of her dishes. And he says, <laughs> "It's not, it's not top scallop, it's top chef." You know what? I think I remember that episode. That's a good one, and that's true. She was big was on his, scallops. I'm okay. just gonna call him Fabio. I'm gonna be that's wrong right. about that's, his I name. Could've been, just, it could have been. Could have been. Yeah. Who who knows? But I did. Yeah, we made it through our 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 journey. Wait, wait. You know, you know what? I was surprised we did get did not get any negative feedback about on the Thanksgiving episode. Yes. I don't think we dealt with desserts at all. What do you mean you did? Oh no, we didn't discuss desserts. Yeah, we talked You're about right. everything except we did. For, we did a lot. Was, we had a lot like, of stuffing talk. <laughs> cranberries, I, was, I think. I was uh, sure we would get hate mail, and I I did not receive any. It was uh yeah we it, it, we overlooked it. But I hope you had some nice desserts. I did. I mean, I hope I hope you were able to recover from your your scallop situation and and I did. But I was I mean, eating with seven for a miles long under time. your belt. You it was have. it was. I had an apple pie. Kate made an apple pie that was really good. And I I say this because she doesn't really uh, bake pie, bake pies. So I you know and and it was you know a, a pre bought crust and it was really really good. And she put actual shaved like ginger in there. I love oh my goodness, pie. that was really good. The only thing missing was there was no um, pecan pie, pecan pie, pecan pie. So, I say pecan, but yeah, I'm from Jersey. So I say pecan. We got <laughs> pecan sandies, pecan. pecan pie. We didn't have it, all, and that's my favorite. But that's okay. Well, we made the cornbread stuffing. It was a hit. Everyone was happy. Oh, yes, I ate wonderful. Many many servings of it, and uh, I don't remember what I had for dessert. This is this is the. The bottom line is for both you and me, the dessert is the cocktail. So it is, it is. It's true. I had port. (laughs) Nice. Well, we got another fun visitor coming post Thanksgiving. Who? His name is Omicron. Oh my. Is is, is Omicron like a Decepticon from the Transformers? Because it sounds like it. It's like Optimus Prime. And and, and this is an Autobot situation. Yeah, Megatron and then Omicron. Omicron? Omi. Omicron. yeah, Omicron. 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 Yes. Yeah, anyway, it's Omicron. Uh-oh. It's on its way. This is a new variant of the COVID virus coming from South Africa, discovered recently, by all accounts, um, discovered quickly. Uh, yes. South African scientists and doctors were looking at this and sort of s- surveilling. 
and spotted this quickly. We're very transparent about the fact that they had seen this new mutation. And over the holiday week, I think most notable that we know thus far about the mutation is that it can get crazy earned media because the entire weekend was nothing but Omicron. Yes, I would say perhaps much to South Africa's dismay, they disclosed the Omicron was coming out of South Africa because now people basically want to build a wall around South Africa to prevent people from coming out. Yeah, it's already spurred many travel bans, including yes. including one here that starts starts at the beginning of this week, started at the yes, beginning of this yesterday. week, and then other places shutting borders down, uh, restricting travel from you know various African countries where this it's has too been. Late. It's too late. Well, so that's yes, so that's the question. I think when you're talking about a travel ban, we don't know much about this variation. There are concerns that it would that it might be more transmissible. There are concerns that it might like how it will interact with the vaccines and how effective they will be. But let me note before not be we get effective in, at all. Well, let me note before we get into this, yes. that there's one woman who's concerned about the amount of hype given to Omicron uh, over the past week. And that is Dr. Angelique, I don't know how you say her name, Koetsi of the South African Medical Association. She was among those who discovered it. And she has this to say. Looking at the mildness of the symptoms that we are seeing, Currently, there's no reason for panicking as we don't see severely ill patients. I also checked with the hospital, some of the hospitals in my area, and one of the biggest hospitals, they only have one patient currently that's COVID positive on a ventilator, and they don't even know whether it's COVID, uh, you know, it's Delta or whether it is um, Omicron related. We acknowledge that it might change going forward. But the hype that's been created currently out there in the media and worldwide doesn't correlate with the clinical picture. Um, and it doesn't warrant to just cut us off from any traveling and ban South Africa as if we are the villains in the whole process. Should not be like that. All right. So help, helpful for setting the table for how much we should worry about this. Things could change. As many have noted, we will know more in about two or three weeks about what exactly is in store for us. But she has authority, obviously, as somebody who's been tracking this from the very beginning. So it's helpful to hear from her that, hey, 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 <laughs> this, this might not be worth all this. Well, thank goodness the media will probably pick up on her interview and then assure everybody that there's no reason <laughs> to panic or have any sort of uh, shutdown. Uh, reimposed on our society. So that's good. That's yeah, good. no, I, that, they're going to, they're definitely going to get on that. By the way, do you know that we, we skipped two letters of the Greek alphabet, new and you for the homophone problems in, in America, in English language, the, the new variant. Why, the NU, right? Why, yeah. why is that? Why is that a, a problem? I think because then it would be confused with NEW for oh, new, the new, variant, the new variant, the colloquial new, the new variant. <laughs> okay. And yeah. the other one, and the other one is G X I. Hmm. Why would that be? I don't know why we skipped that one. It's uh yeah, it's certainly a, yes. No, it's it's a it's 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 like a she was is is like Smith in this yeah. country, really, and it's very common over there, I think. But anyway, no. we skipped <laughs> we skipped those two, and so now we're at Omicron. Uh, what's your take on the the travel ban thing? Because I think there's there's a couple questions of whether it's moral, whether it's effective. It's not going to be effective. I think they just mentioned that there are already cases in Canada. So it's here on the continent and it's spreading. Well, um, and 
Uh, there's reports too, I believe it was New York Times that in Belgium, they have detected it oh, in sure. someone who did not have, who was not in one and of the just, countries. So that would, be, that would mean it was on the ground in Belgium as well. That's right. Before that, before they detected it in, uh, in Amsterdam, for example, I think uh, there were passengers from South Africa who arrived at the Amsterdam airport, Schiphol, and as it's called, it's not Schiphol, it's Schiphol. And they, 10 people, I think tested positive. So there's panic about that. My, I have a brother-in-law who is uh, there right now. He's Dutch and he's visiting his folks. And, but he is a, uh, a resident of the U.S. He'll be able to come back, but it's going to be very hellish to when he comes back because you're going to have to go through all these protocols and everyone is very panicked over uh, who has it and who doesn't. And apparently over there, they were supposed to have sadly a 50th wedding anniversary for his parents. And they had to cancel Aww. that because, you know, there are, they have reimposed the uh, crowd capacity limits. Right. And not only that, but they also had limits, he says, on uh, how many people can visit your home and how long they can stay. Oh, geez. And the thing is, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, people report on that. Like, oh, I noticed they went in. They didn't come out for, you know, three and a half hours or something to that effect. And I can't imagine them trying to health experts or government officials in this country trying to do the same thing. I don't think it's going to work here. And I think people are done. People are concerned. People want to be cautious. But I think at this point, they don't want to go into the whole panic mode again. And in fact, I'm seeing fewer people at the supermarkets, for example, wearing masks. And there were more. And suddenly I'm beginning to see less. I don't know what's going to happen, but I can't imagine they're going to reimpose that here. Right. I, on the travel ban itself, like there's there's a couple issues with, you know, the hypocrisy of when you think a travel ban is racist and when you don't. And it's genuine gen, or xenophobic. Oh, sure. it's generally just when your team does it versus when you're the other team does it. So there's that. I, I think, you know, it sounds likely, especially if this is very transmissible and it has mild symptoms, that this might have gone all over the place, even though South Africa uh, detected it quickly. Oh, Third, there's a, yeah. Isn't there an issue of discouraging people from alerting the world community to new variants if we shut them off from the world immediately after it uh, is a it is a disincentive. It's a disincentive, much as it is if you think you you know your child has you know the sniffles. Are you supposed to have them you know stick a swab up you know <laughs> to brain level because they have the sniffles you know and, and you're then, supposed to, but no, I have nobody. Who, what parent wants to do that? So I mean, some do obviously. So yes, uh, this is on a on a very on a global scale, on a macro scale, we're seeing that sort of same thing of of disincentives to do it because look what's happening. Uh, again, for me. It's the obsession that the media has with the case numbers, when in right. fact, the big concern, as the doctor just pointed out, is how many people are, you know, what is the lethality of, of Omicron, right? right? And there's a lot that we still don't know. But yeah, what is the, the yeah. There, there's a writer who, uh, is, she's always worth reading. Uh, she works at uh, UNC and, um, and she's been great on covering COVID in a non-panicky way. Her name is Zainab Tufeki. I don't know exactly yes. how you say it, but she's great. She, she wrote in the New York times and she's, I would say she's more concerned about this than I am and wants more robust action taken, but, and she's always worth reading. It's called Omicron is coming. The U S must act now, but a couple things she suggests, first of all, she notes that she thinks that the vaccines likely will hold up against variants in the sense that they will prevent serious illness. So that's, that's, right. that's a win if that ends up being the case. 
but she put she holds up as models you know S- south korea at the beginning of the pandemic with mass testing and tracing and taiwan same thing a lot of a lot of testing a lot of tracing south africa she points out was able to discover this quickly partly because of what she terms medical surveillance <laughs> that happens there because they have an aids crisis in addition to this so they That's keep right. an eye on a lot of things we're not going to do those things in America. I'm pro lots of testing if it can be available to everyone, but we have to take into account our national character and our national character does not lend itself to mass surveillance of people's illnesses. Uh, That is correct. And there was no way uh, that was going to be practiced for anybody in this country who has AIDS. Could you imagine that? Right. I mean, you know, there's no way that it just that's not going to fly. And so uh, because of that, I, I don't think it would fly as well with, with the coronavirus. Uh, she also notes, and I think she's too optimistic about this, that what needs to be done is that we can do restrictions in the early going, such as travel bans, see where we are. And then when we realize those restrictions are no longer needed, they should be lifted because that would engender trust in public health officials. Well, well. I agree. <laughs> but two years into this, I think that ship has sailed. Yeah, that, that, that's right. I, I think the whole thing with, with the travel ban at this point, I mean, it's happening. So the, the key is if, if the vaccines are effective with Omicron, that's great. And if the whole point is, you know, you'll only have mild, you yeah. know, symptoms, wonderful. Then yeah, take I think, that. And, and I think the FDA, the part that it can do is more testing available of cheaper varieties, which is something we're behind. That's right. And home testing kits. And then just like if there's an Omicron variant booster, get it out and give people right to try whoever wants to and don't force the rest of us to like that's. Yeah, I know we I that again is that's too optimistic. I'm as optimistic as Zainab saying that. I know, because what you'll see is the panic on the screens again when you look at the case numbers and then Omicron. It's going to be oh, it's Omicron 24-7. It's only what he was going to want to talk about. Christmas Sorry. is going to beat Omicron. Yeah, it's, well, we'll, I don't know about that. We'll see. But it's, but, it, but, it, but it's such a shame because it gets into the psyche for, for, yes. for, for Americans. And the idea is now, you know, well, I'm not going to travel. Well, I'm not going to go outside. Well, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just going to have a small gathering. I'm not going to go do anything, you know, uh, visit places. And as a result, and understandable, but as a result, uh, once again, uh, the tourism and hospitality industry is going to get crushed. They're just well, about to emerge. Do you remember in the summer commercials? And I don't even remember which big company it was that put out a commercial with everybody emerging from their homes and celebrating and hugging and kissing everybody yes. left and right. Those were the days. Yeah. Premature. I went premature. to a movie this weekend and woo, ah. deserted in there. Oh, really? It's like a uh, VIP experience. Any movie you go to now. I, well, this is interesting because I went to uh, House of Gucci. Uh, which we're discussing on the Sub Beacon, my other podcast. Uh, later to which this- you should subscribe on Patreon. Well, thank you, Mary Catherine. And that was packed. And it, it's funny because it was a chatty audience. You know, it was a chatty audience. And you had older, older people. And you notice older people will like, they kind of, older people like to talk a little bit, maybe because of their hearing, but they'll, they'll talk. And they were you know, all sorts of guffaws and things and laughing and things like that. And so it was, it was very, I sat in the back. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I have my be, getaway, you know, to, to be fair, the Clifford movie by, might be less in demand on a Sunday. Yeah, I, I can see why House you'd be the Gucci. only, 
I can see why you'd be the only person there at this. Clifford has dropped off. Yes, we uh, took uh, we took my daughter for her birthday. Oh well, that's did she like it? We took a yes, and we took uh, some some friends' kids too. And oh. between the four kids, I don't think any of them had been in a theater before. Oh my goodness! Um, and so it was it was fun. My my daughter, whose birthday it was, turned six. Turns out she's a little bit of a yeller at the screen. She's like, no, Clifford, don't do that. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Did she get up and walk up, run around? Because kids will do that, you know. Yeah, she did not. We we all stayed in our seats, but um, oh, very good. But they were surprised that there were not very many people there. They thought she kept yeah. counting the number of people. Like, shouldn't there be more? And I said, well, well, you know. no. I, if you took your kids to House of Gucci, I mean, it'd be more crowded. <laughs> Which is the plan, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, for me, when I was a kid, that's why we would have seen that. Next up. Next up. All right. So, oh, according yes. to Ben Smith, reporting in the New York Times, journalists have joined with Harvard academics to formulate new ways to identify misinformation in the news and knock it out. And I ask you, Vic, what could go wrong with this team of superheroes? I think it's a great idea. It would be like having a a fact check, you know, like Mm -hmm. if the post did a fact check, you know, and and, or they had something called like a a, a political fact check. They can call PolitiFact or something. And then they can say that, you know, whatever Trump says is insane. It's fine. And then and and that I can't believe he's how insensitive he is. And then when you have a, a president like Biden, then we can also say, well, you know, we know what he meant. Let's not get carried away. Here. Right, so I, I don't see I don't see the problem. I don't see the problem because, you know, for example, uh, you can say that uh, the, the, the virus uh, came from a Wuhan lab or quite mm-hmm. possibly could have come from there. And you can say, well, no, that's not appropriate. You can't say that and you can ban right. it. But then if they change their mind, they can allow it. But I, I put my full trust right, well, in that, them. That information change. became true later, right? Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah. Was- yeah. What, what could go wrong? What could go wrong with trusting uh, a media that says things like a car drove into a crowd in Waukesha? Mm-hmm. You well, know, what's, what, what's wrong with that? What struck me about Ben Smith's reporting on this is and, and he he makes note of this is that the 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 case study that the Harvard academics are using to teach journalists about misinformation oh, yes. is the Hunter Biden laptop story aggressively censored on major social media uh, channels, a lot of mainstream media and reporters, anchors shunning anybody who's, who talked about that story. Well, it turned out that that story was not misinformation. In fact, to me, the most egregious misinformation in that episode was a lot of media reporting that this was a, this was Russian disinformation and there was absolutely no proof of that. There was no evidence of that. They they later admitted this. But when that's your case study, this this class in misinformation is not going the right direction. No, it's not. And it was sort of curious in reading Ben Smith's take on it, of course, because he put that under the category of October surprise. Yes. If, if I'm not mistaken. And that, oh, well, that's all this was. But let's not report on it because it's going to give the other side an extra edge. But of course, I mean, you just have to go back to uh, people have probably already forgotten in 2000, you know, the quote unquote bombshell that George W. Bush got a DUI. Yes. And while he was driving in, where was it? Nantucket or Martha's Vineyard, yes. you know, oh, my goodness. And he was driving with a tennis star, Don Newcomb. And 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 what? And that somehow was going to, you know, swing the election, which it was a different time back then. 
you know, I mean, it, it, it was, it did, it did do some damage because, you know, they were trying to show that he was, he was reckless, but it happened a long time ago. And this thing is pretty fresh. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the laptop that was left behind at the computer store or wherever the, the repair place in Delaware, and right. that a number of people you know have gotten access to. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on that. Video. There's a lot. I, there's things you can't unsee. I'm well, just going to put it that way. Well, and the argument uh, from some is like, well, look, this didn't show uh, Biden, him, President Biden's corruption. This was only about his son. Well, fine, but that doesn't mean you can't talk look about into it. it. Can we look into it and see what the connection the is? Even if that were the case. Even if that were the case, like you still don't block it on social media from a major media source so that people cannot read this thing. It's also worth noting in the misinformation wars that just briefly, Jesse Smollett is in court this week. So the trial is finally happening. Like, like maybe consider that you might have some blind spots in trying to figure out exactly what misinformation is. Also unmentioned in this piece, and I'm, I assume by the Shorenstein Center, which is the media center at Harvard, the Steele dossier does not, not come in for a mention. No, again, it's amazing when they get things completely wrong, they'll just choose to ignore it. Yes. And maybe they can tuck in somewhere buried in the paper, a correction, and they do that and they'll do that internally, you know, on, on the website, for example, and they'll add a little secret connection, uh, uh, correction to it, but they're not going to talk about how they got things right. They should, it would be right. great if they did, uh, well, but they won't. And, and it's, studies, absolutely, it's absolutely, studies show, that it, studies show that that's actually what is good. Again, this is what's good for public trust. If you admit, and sometimes it does happen. It's not that it doesn't happen at all, but there is a lot of airbrushing of the past. Uh, when it comes to reporting, especially on the Trump administration and, and some of this stuff that I spent four years going, I don't know if this is real, guys. It doesn't right. seem real. That's and, right. Uh, and I got looked at like I was crazy, but I was not the crazy one, guys. No, it's all being memory hold. So when you <sighs> point these things out, they're going to forget. And that has always been the case, though, with journalism. I mean, you know, uh, journalists were so sh- Walter Cronkite, right? Going back to when after JFK was assassinated and, and he said that uh, Barry Goldwater had no comment. On the death of JFK, but that's it, a flat out lie. You know, he was distraught over it, but, but, you know, he says it, so it must be true. And, you know, does anyone correct it? And this, you know, again, was going to be the case with George W. Bush and the Texas Air National Guard story until yeah. a lot of people on the internet, uh, good people were able to break that story open. The, the most made up October surprise. Yeah. That's thanks right. to, thanks to Dan Rather, who I, would we be at all surprised if Dan Rather is, is sitting on a misinformation panel somewhere? He ready? You know, no, I, I believe uh, Brian Stelter, he goes to him all the time as a source of like, you know, well, what, you what the news, a news veteran. Well, it's all going to get better. Not only look, I, by the way, I've, I've been in media for a long time. I come from, I come from a newspaper family. And so my, my take on media and my position in it has for a long time been like, help me help you. I want, <laughs> I want to be the weirdo in your midst. I want to explain things that don't come up here that maybe you don't run into people who believe these things. So it's self-serving, but you know, if you ever need me on one of those panels, you could use me. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Me too. Maybe put, put Vic and me as uh, opposite Dan rather and see what we, we could, can come you know, up. You, we could take our show on the road. If somebody <laughs> will, I will work for food. Oh, he definitely will. Um, it's all going to get better soon though, because uh, Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter has stepped down uh, saying he's leaving Twitter because I believe the company is ready to move on from its founders. He's been replaced by another who's already you know in the mix at Twitter, who I hate to report 
maybe less friendly to free speech than Jack Dorsey. That's going to be something when you're missing Jack because of uh, the, the the new guy, uh, Parag Agrawal. Yes. Uh, who is a, a Stanford guy and not really, you know, the First Amendment, not really his emphasis. And no. again, I understand that these are private companies. They can do whatever they want. But at this point, they wield such enormous influence. It would be really bad if they started, you know, taking sides and determining right. as everybody else's, I guess, uh, what is allowed and what is not allowed uh, to be posted. Yes, he said in a, an interview about a year ago, this is reported by Robbie Suavia, reason that, that Twitter should focus less on thinking about free speech. Now, they're, of course, allowed to draw lines. Uh, it's just that the experience of the right on Twitter feels different from the experience of the left on Twitter when it comes to ensuring exactly. to said guidelines. It, I know many, many a person who has been suspended for seemingly not not violating standards and yet there are plenty of oh i don't know like heads of state in iran who can they're allowed they can can tweet whatever they want whatever hateful nonsense they want and conspiracy theories misinformation it's just anti-semitism which is you know it's that's lower on the list as you know it's 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 no it's no misinformation no i mean the big thing is when they say focus less on it well what are we focusing more on on twitter that's that's the question memes (laughs) yeah I don't Memes know. And, and, and the journal, Hot the takes. journalist experience. On oh, Twitter. right. And that, that's I mean, right. that's, that's the thing about Twitter is that although it, it boasts far fewer users than Facebook and Facebook comes in for far more criticism. One of the reasons Facebook comes in for far more criticism is because the right has been more successful on Facebook at building numbers and building that's a following right. that makes it inherently more suspicious to the media denizens of Twitter. Um, so Twitter's less problematic than for them. to them than than Facebook is but Twitter dictates a lot of reporting on public policy and a lot of public policy thinkers and as you might have noticed it's not a it's not a great place for like calm rational discussion of public policy issues so, no you can go down a rabbit hole it's a terrible way to like start around your day and yet that's what we do we do, we do <laughs> it all the time yeah I, I I actually I I dropped my uh this is a hackneyed discussion, but I'm going to have it anyway. I dropped my, <laughs> I dropped my use of Twitter by quite a bit over the last couple of years, and I am happier for it. It, I found that it wound me up arguing with strangers, or not even arguing with them by actually tweeting, but getting into conversations with them in my head. Yes. And so I just once I've abandoned that, it's it's strange. I don't. I'm not as short with my children or my spouse. No. As it, if it, I, it. It's as a if ter- I'm arguing it's a, all morning. It's a, it's a terrible thing. And with strangers, you on Twitter, you're, you're, you're more like surgical strikes now. That's yeah, what that's what want. I do. That's what I do. <laughs> and if, and if you, if you come at me, you might find yourself quote tweeted, which that's is right. the lamest threat, but that's how Twitter works. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're allowed to do that. <laughs> Speaking of censorship, this one's, this one's the real deal. I know. This one's sad. This is a story out of Hong Kong. Where on Disney Plus, an American company's uh, streaming service, they have The Simpsons. But what they don't have is in the 16th season of the iconic Fox animated show, uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter, it jumps from episode 11 to 13 when viewers in the city browse the flagship in Hong Kong, browse the flagship Disney streaming service. The missing episode 12, first broadcast in 2005, happens to be one where Homer takes his family to China, where they visit Tiananmen Square 
and come across a placard that reads, on this site in 1989, nothing happened. It's fantastic. This is censorship voluntarily by an American company at the behest of the Chinese censoring a joke about censorship. Because billions of dollars are at stake. It is so easy to help and contribute and take a stance on social justice issues uh, when it is trendy, uh, for example, in the United States uh, to take certain positions. But then when it matters at to- in totalitarian regimes, such as in China, then no, we'd rather not. And honestly, how many Americans are going to care and say, cancel my subscription to Disney well, this Plus is the because thing. of it? This is the sad thing. Of all the things that are hard to quit, Disney is up there. Yeah, it, for if you have I mean, kids or, you know. It, if sure. you have kids, if you like sports, it's ESPN as well. Yeah. I'm it, watching the Beatles documentary. Right. I, I, I got to finish it. You know, it covers it covers a lot of ground. I, I made the mistake of um, I purchased the live action Mulan before I learned oh. that they shot that. Oh, that's uh, terrible. In, in really sort of corrupt uh, partnership with yes. the CCP and then I'd already spent the dang money. I have, I have yet to watch it. That's my big stand. Oh, good. Out of principle, you're not watching it. I, it is, but that was disappointing. Just the whole, the whole thing is just disappointing because it, they spend, they spend a is. lot of time slagging Americans for their alleged civil rights violations, but not so much the Chinese. No, I'd say, I'd say what's very sad is in particular, it's Hong Kong we're talking about. And that used to be a bastion of freedom and capitalism for that matter. Uh, And then the handover and then there were the guarantees and the assurances by everybody else that everything is going to remain the same in the SAR, the special administrative region. And then little by little bit, they just eroded those freedoms away. And then they start arresting members of the press and they crack down on the protests. And now they're basically, again, memory holding. I say that because, you know, I'm a recent reader of 1984. Uh, I'm the memory holding of... (laughs) Catching um, up on um, that high school. Yes, read. I am. Next is Catcher in the Rye. Just kidding. I read that. But uh, but the memory holding 1989 in the Tiananmen Square so that, you know, you have whole generations of people born after that year or when, the, you know, uh, that that have no knowledge that yeah. this thing happened and they're going to uh, wipe it away. And that is what I mean. It, it's a tragedy. That's, um, that's all there is. is there is some good news. Netflix, apparently in Hong Kong, has continues to host many things that would very clearly ticked the Chinese Communist Party, including Joshua, Teenager versus Superpower, uh, directed by Joe Piscatella, a documentary about a Hong Kong student activist who became the face of the, the protests oh. in 2014 in Hong Kong. So yay for ne- Netflix for continuing to host that in Hong Kong. These things are important because, like you said, the point is to erase these things. Yes. This makes a joke about erasing them, and it is erased for doing that by, like I said, an American company who should mm-hmm. be animated by the values of freedom and and not memory holding. And yet here we are with the Simpsons joke taking taking the hit. No, it, it's amazing because, you know, the, the 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 brave thing to do would be to say, no, we're not going to do that if they complain. But they had not even complained as far as we know. Yes, this is it, preemptive. It's preemptive. It's preemptive cowardice. I, I got you, China. I got you. That's what Disney says. And it's right. really it's shameful i'm gonna i'm gonna help you guys to relax after all this this has been some stressful uh-huh. time doing omicron i'm gonna help you relax with the the sound of matthew mcconaughey oh book. yes <laughs> matthew mcconaughey has been pondering running for texas governor 
or getting involved in politics, but that's, that's the thing that's been dropped for a couple of years now. And I think he's an interesting dude. He, he, yeah, that's one and, way to put it. Yeah. But he, I will, I, I mean, sort of, uh, ideologically, he thinks and says things that are outside the Hollywood norm, which basically makes you what center left <laughs> makes yes. you so, uh, quite by a, our standards. Yes. Right. Yeah. By their standards. <laughs> but I find him interesting and obviously charismatic. And he announced in a very McConaughey way that he has decided not to run for governor of Texas. My theory would be that he was just like, my life is pretty good. Why would I do that? That's, yes. I mean, that, that's my take on how, why you should pass on politics. Here's Matthew. He's sitting between a Texas flag and an American flag, and he's got a few things to say. Here you go, America. As a simple kid born in the little town of Uvalde, Texas, it never occurred to me that I would one day be considered for political leadership. It's a humbling and inspiring path to ponder. It is also a path that I'm choosing not to take at this moment. What am I going to do? I'm going to continue to work and invest the bounty I have by supporting entrepreneurs, businesses, and foundations that I believe are leaders, establishments that I believe are creating pathways for people to succeed in life, organizations that have a mission to serve and build trust while also generating prosperity. That's the American dream. And politicians, well, the good ones can help us get to where we need to go, yeah. But let's be clear, they can't do anything for us unless we choose to do for ourselves. So to the leaders and the servants out there and the leader and servant in each one of us, cheers to you. Here's to the freedom to be you, the freedom to be me. I have no idea what, I have no idea what that means, but I'm on board. I'm on board. I could listen to him for hours. Yeah, yeah. you and our producer, Alex Nestor. You love him. I love him. I do love Matthew McConaughey. It is He is a celebrity crush that I share uh, with someone else that I love very much, and that would be my mother. Oh, uh, We both are big Matthew McConaughey fangirls. So. Uh, <laughs> that's, 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 that's something. That is a, he has that sort of mass appeal. Well, it speaks to what he could do as a politician. I mean, that's generations of appeal. You know, that's what you have to have. I I, I thought for a second, I, I was worried for a second, Mary Catherine, that, that you were going to play a, a clip of him from Dazed and Confused, you know, talking about the high school girls and saying, <laughs> I get older, but they stay the same age, which I just want to point out. I condemn that line. I condemn <laughs> that line. It disgusts me on the record. It's, it's just funny that that's the one that always sticks in your head, Vic. I don't know. People try to connect me to that, and I don't see why. I, um, I do want to say uh, the reconnaissance, as it, as it is called, uh, will continue. Uh, he, he was, uh, I remember seeing uh, him on the news that he had no problems with the name Washington Redskins, you know, and he loves the Redskins and the Washington football team. He's also, he's, he's done some interesting stuff on free speech on his oh, podcast. Yeah. I dig him. I dig him. And I will also say, support his bourbon long branch which he did in collaboration with wild turkey uh and it's uh aged in mesquite barrels so that that's a free plug i love it i love it it's very on brand as is this last story which we're gonna cover and this one i'm, I'm throwing a curveball this is the this is the british one vic did you see this no i didn't see this, this is a okay. surprise okay okay here we go uh a pub in england was was inundated by winter storm Arwen and stuck inside it are a bunch of people who went to see an Oasis 
cover band and they have been there for three days now. Oh, no, they haven't. Oh, come yes, on. They have the, the cover band is no Oasis. They'd gathered at the Tan Hill Inn on Friday night to hear renditions of their favorite rock so- songs when piles of snow up to three feet high blocked the pub's exits, according to the New York Times. And so they have been there ever since. A couple of off-roaders and a mountain rescue group were able to transport several people out of the bar to attend to medical and family situations, but most of the patrons were just basically fine with staying there. Yeah, I imagine that even if they ran out of uh, Guinness or, or bitters or whatever it is they're drinking over there, they can move on to the champagne supernovas. Sorry. Oh, I had to go there. there. I know you like that one. I'm not uh, going to look back in anger at that. Oh, one. I was going to say. <laughs> Very good. I'm running out of my, um, uh, my, my, my oasis references, but for goodness uh, sakes, I don't know. I, it, it really depends on who you're stuck with, you know, and what is the ratio for, from, for men and women, you know, I mean, what's happening there. That's what I want to know about. I don't know there, why you, you want know. to know about that. I but. just, uh, again, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. I, I need more details here because, you know, it could, it could be great or it could be a nightmare. It could be a nightmare. Well, they are good making food. the best of it. They look like they have a lot of good food. They have obviously a lot of beer. And they, they say that even, even the, uh, even those who had not reserved rooms at the end uh, have been respectful and are crashing on couches and they are not loud and drunk but that's loud and drunk by northern england's that, that's exactly right that's exactly right and and, oh. and and again and 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 what are they eating you know it start you know you know pub food is great but you know if you're going to subsist on that for how many days did you say i think it's three days now three, three days you probably moved on to toad in the hole and spot a dick <laughs> just sorry i'm just saying that's what they're eating that's what they're eating and on that note Oh, okay. Well, I do have a correction, by the way. Uh, oh, listener, Liz, speaking of The Simpsons, listener Monty Burns, Monty Burns, he pointed out. Glad my, to have him. Yes, he, he pointed out my confusion when I said the, the Gewurz Traminer, your favorite wine, comes from the Gamay grape. That's not true at all. Uh, I was confused. I was dazed and confused. You see, I'm putting it all together in one oh, show here. And um, in defense, uh, I had done, I think, six podcasts in six days. So I, it was just all a muddle in my head. So sorry about that. I will not make that mistake again. I mean, if that's the worst mistake we make, ah. impressive. I, and, I, I, yes. I would like to applaud us. Thank you so far. We've just gotten started. But that wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And you can follow me on Twitter at Victory to Mattis. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter and at MK Hammer Time on Instagram, which is frankly a friendlier place if you want to come find me there. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening. We, we have decided you're the Hammerheads and we're happy to have you. And uh, thanks for taking a chance on us. We heard about a lot of people binging the show over the thanksgiving road trip and i hope you enjoyed and uh come back soon because we're doing it two days a week every week this has been a nebulous media podcast